Hello and welcome. You found the Social Work Podcast. My name is Jonathan Singer, and I'll be your host as we explore all things social work. In this four-part series on pathological gambling, I speak with Jody Bechtold, a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Pennsylvania. Her clinical experience includes working in an outpatient substance abuse treatment facility and maintaining a private practice where she specializes in addictive disorders. She's currently employed at the University of Pittsburgh School of Social Work Field Education Department and is also an adjunct faculty who teaches a Models of Intervention course and a Drug and Alcohol elective to master's students. By August 2007, she anticipates having her NCGC1, the Nationally Certified Gambling Counselor Certification. In today's podcast, Jody Bechtold will be talking about pathological gambling, what it is, what it isn't, and she's going to talk about the similarities and differences between diagnosis and treatment of pathological gambling and substance use disorder. 48 out of 50 states have legalized gambling. Utah and Hawaii are the two that currently do not have legalized gambling. In Pennsylvania, the legal age for lottery, casino, slot machines, and pull tabs is the age of 18. Charity bingo, there is no legal age. Most people who gamble, just like most people who drink, can do so safely and without negative consequences. So what is gambling? Risking something you have, money or possessions, in the hopes of gaining something you don't have, when the outcome is uncertain. Gamblers Anonymous has even a more strict definition of what is gambling. It is defined as any betting or wagering, for self or others, whether for money or not, no matter how slight or insignificant, where the outcome is uncertain or depends on chance or skill, constitutes gambling. Substance use disorders in the DSM have abuse and dependence. So you have alcohol abuse, which then will lead to alcohol dependence. Gambling, however, only has what's known as pathological gambling. So there is no abuse or approaching danger prior to the diagnosis of pathological gambling. Common terms, however, they're not recognized in the DSM, social gambling, and then problem gambling. So what are some of the similarities between substance use and gambling? Both have a preoccupation with the activity and a loss of control. The abuse of drugs and alcohol and problem gambling can both be progressive. Denial is a hallmark of both. The problem resides outside the person who is exhibiting the disordered behavior. Both substance abuse and gambling have continued behavior despite negative consequences in many or major areas of their lives. Both have tolerance developing. More of the same substance or gambling is needed to obtain the same feelings. Urges and cravings develop among problem gamblers too. Most people don't realize that's a similarity with substance abuse. And both have similar psychological drives, including the need for escape, excitement, self-medicating, and avoidance. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. 
Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. Some of the differences between pathological gambling and substance abuse. Obviously, with substance abuse, there's objective tests, blood tests, urinalysis, to detect the presence of drugs. Problem gambling is physically easier to hide. There is no slurring of the speech. Overuse of drugs and alcohol will eventually result in the body shutting down. With gambling, it is not self-limiting. And suicide rates are higher among problem gamblers than they are among substance abusers. There is much less public awareness about problem gambling. We have a hotline number that scrolls at the bottom of the daily number. Obviously, though, you have to be watching the daily number to see the hotline scrolling.、Uh, very similar to the warning label on beer or a pack of cigarettes, you have to already be doing it in order to see the warning label. So, a lot less public awareness, and we also have fundraisers that rely on gambling-like behaviors, raffles. Fifty-fifties, silent auction, any of those type of things. When you think back to the definition of gambling, acceptance of gambling is even more widespread than for alcohol. An example could be college casino night during finals week to relieve stress. When you return your textbooks, you get a scratch-off card to see if you won ten thousand dollars. Another great example involving adolescents is teenagers are at home. With the Texas Hold'em game, and the parents are more than happy to have them over at their house. They'll supply the food, the soda, the pop. At least they aren't drinking, is what the parents are thinking. Another difference between substance use disorder and pathological gambling is the treatment approach: abstinence versus harm reduction. Abstinence is where you have no mo- mood or mind-altering chemicals in your body at any time. You are technically clean. With gambling, you would have to abstain from all behaviors associated with gambling. That's very difficult. One of the differences is the harm reduction approach. If you typically are spending hundred dollars on lottery tickets a week, the first step would be: Can we get you to only spend fifty dollars on lottery tickets in a week, and see how you do with that? So, a very different mindset when treating is to go harm reduction versus total abstinence. The definition of relapse is also different between the two. With pathological gambling, relapse is actually considered anything where you are in action. So, a good example would be you're watching. TV, sports game, and you're actually making a mind bet: what's going to be the score at the end of the first quarter? What's going to be the score at the end of halftime? All of that is a, considered a relapse, according to pathological gambling. And the problem gambler's financial situation is often critically damaged and needs to be addressed as part of treatment. That is not always found when you're treating substance use disorders. With pathological gambling, a recovery program must include. At least a financial component, often referred to as a restitution plan. Who are all of the people and agencies that you owe money to, and what is the plan to pay them off over how long of a period of time? And if you're also involved with Gamblers Anonymous, it's not uncommon to have a pressure relief meeting with you and your 
family members or partner or spouse to talk about how to relieve the pressure, but not too soon, so that the gambling does cease. One of the questions is, why is pathological gambling considered the purest addiction? It needs two universal elements, ecstasy and craving. There's no external substances to contaminate the body. You only need nature's chemical that's already present, which is dopamine. Often, clinicians will think of sexual addiction and food addiction that are more closely aligned with gambling addiction in terms of treatment approaches and interventions that are effective. For an example would be, we still need to eat So with a food addiction, we need to teach the individual how to consume food without being triggered and relapse into their addiction. With sexual addiction, we still need to be able to have sex as human beings. We need to teach them how to participate in bounds versus out of bounds in a relationship. And you need money in order to survive in society, to function. So the final discussion includes the differences in some of the barriers between these two, substance use disorder and pathological gambling. Well, trained counselors. There's far more trained counselors across the state and the nation for substance use disorder than there are for gambling, excuse me, than there are for pathological gambling. Treatment facilities. We don't have a designated treatment facility anywhere in Pennsylvania that is strictly for treating pathological gambling. However, we have many treatment facilities for treating substance use disorder. Private insurance will pay for substance use disorder, cocaine dependence, opioid dependence, any of those type of diagnoses. Majority of private insurances in Pennsylvania will not pay for pathological gambling. Public insurance, Medicaid, will pay for drug and alcohol treatment services, even methadone maintenance, They will not pay for pathological gambling. And when you think of self-help, the number of meetings available for GA are zero to one a day, depending on the region, as compared to multiple meetings a day in AA or NA. And the last thing is how accepted are you when you go to one of these meetings? When you think of an older female, her problem is bingo. She might not be as accepted in a meeting of men where their problem is sports betting. There's many counselors that are trained in substance use disorder, whereas there are very few trained counselors in pathological gambling. If you're interested in learning more about the certification process for a nationally certified gambling counselor, you can listen to a podcast that Jody and I recorded talking about the process and and detailing what steps one needs to go through in order to meet that certification. And you can find that information on the website, socialworkpodcast.com. So, Jody, thanks a lot for uh, talking to us today about the similarities and differences, pathological gambling, what it is and what it isn't. You're welcome. So, I'm Jonathan Singer. Thanks for being with me today for this episode of the Social Work Podcast. If you missed an episode, visit our website at socialworkpodcast.com. If you have suggestions for future podcasts, please email me at jonathan at socialworkpodcast.com. And to all the social workers out there, keep up the good work. We'll see you back here next time at the Social Work Podcast.